You're listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast with Ryan and Kayla North, hosted by Chris Turner, a One Big Happy Home production. This podcast equips parents to empower their children and build healthy relationships throughout the home in order to see lasting change and thrive as a family. This is for families of all kinds, especially those who are parenting kids through adoption, foster care, kinship care, or in the process. This podcast is a trust-based, trauma-informed, connected parenting resource. To learn more, visit OneBigHappyHome.com. Hey, podcast listeners. It's Ryan and Kayla here. We are missing Chris on this episode, but we're moving forward and he'll hopefully be joining us on the next episode. So we're going to start part two of the attachment that we started last week. Um. There's just so much with attachment. I mean, that, that episode was kind of long, but I feel like there's, I mean, we could, we could do like months and months of episodes on attachment and bring in guests and all that kind of stuff and still never cover all the things, you all know, the things, all the things very, when it comes to attachment. Very young and hip sounding of you. Am I all young and hip? Things. Yeah. Well, y'all I heard it. You called me that. young and hip. I necessarily say that everybody <laughs> who listens to this knows you wear fanny packs, so I um, do like the fanny pack. Which is odd, right? Before we get uh, get into the stuff about attachment tonight. So so our most recent round of our build class started two, week, two weeks ago at the time of this recording. And uh, on the first class, as we were kind of welcoming everybody in and just doing a little bit of get to know you, uh, I think there was like one, maybe two of the participants in the class, both endorsed your fanny pack usage because they're awesome and Damn. very practical mom things so i think maybe we should get some empowered parent fanny packs i think so filled with band-aids and suckers nope. and gum would be really fun you know a guy i okay. know a guy that sounds, that sounds good weird. to me <laughs> so, i know a guy and get you some fanny packs so <laughs> people are just jumping into this episode and they're like these people like, are why are we buying strange. fanny packs out of the back of a 1986 Toyota Tercel in like, like an odd thing. Mall parking lot. Um, but oh anyhow, we digress. So we last digress. week, last episode, we talked about the basics of attachment. And yes. at the end of that episode, Chris said, in our next episode, <laughs> do you remember what he said? I don't know. Maybe the hallmarks of secure attachment? Yeah, he did actually say we're going to talk about the hallmarks of secure attachment. And so it sounds so fancy. Yeah, I mean that's it does it, it it sounds somewhere between fancy and clinical. Yeah. Um the way I the way I I mean the hallmarks of secure attachment we obviously say that to people but but one of the ways that I communicate that in in you know in in like non-clinical speak because it sounds clinical yeah. and more sort of like you know uh no, you know parents speak or whatever is I would say those are the indicators of a good relationship. Yeah. Well, because I mean, the, the hallmarks of secure attachment, those are from Jude Casty. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, if you Google her work, you can find just tons and tons of things, not just the parent-child relationship, but even like relationships with, you know, a spouse or, a, you know, a loved one. And But I love these basic kind of four things because I think when you start you know, talking about attachment styles and how attachments form, all of that's super important and super relevant. But I think as a parent, what was really important to me was how can I look at my kid now? Like my kid's not an infant. So the strange situation, which if you don't know about the strange situation, just Google it, 
like on YouTube, you can find little videos about the strange situation. But that's really interesting. And like, it's super, I, I like to watch those things and, and see how that is. But you know, I have kids like mine aren't infants anymore. And so, you know, if you have an infant learning all these things, I mean, we talked about that last week with our littlest one, because we learned these things mm-hmm. when she was an infant, we were way more attentive to her needs. We were way more present. We were way more available. And so a lot of the struggles that we had with our other kids, we didn't have as much with her because we weren't seeing those attachment struggles, you know? So, so you know, when you talk about attachments and about having this secure base, I thought about that a lot today because with said eight-year-old, um, she had gymnastics today. And so, you know, I went and took her to gymnastics and they were allowing parents in the in, inside the gym as long as, you know, um, they could check your temperature on the way in and you kept your mask on. So I was sitting off to the side and I was just watching her and I noticed that every now and then she just look up to see if I was paying attention. And I sort of <laughs> thought, well, she's checking on, on her secure base and then she goes back to, yeah. do, to do what she's doing. Like she didn't have to run over to me. She didn't have to like, like some of the other kids would actually physically come over. But she's like, oh yeah, he's still there. And that was good right. enough, enough for her. checking in. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I just loved actually watching that uh, play out today. And it made me think about, I think about attachment all over again. So before we actually move on to the hallmarks of secure attachment, do you think you could give like a 30-second synopsis of the strange situation? We'll, we'll put a link to the YouTube put a video link in, there. In, okay. in, the show, in the show notes. But, but I mean, you've just... Since just, I brought it up. Since you brought it up, <laughs> just don't leave people hanging. Yeah, but, but be brief. Well, so the strange situation um, was basically developed to measure the relationship between mothers and their babies. Now, they have... Like a one-year-old. And so they did this strange situation. And basically what they did was they they put a mother and a baby or a mother and and this one-year-old in a room together with some toys and they would play. And then they would have a stranger come in and the stranger would try and engage the the child and then the mom would leave and they would measure the, the reaction of the kid when mom would leave Um, and so, you know, they would cry or sometimes they didn't even notice that mom left. Sometimes they'd go to the stranger and try and talk to the stranger. And then when mom came back, they would measure the reaction of, and I say measure, like they just wrote down observations, right? About how the baby would react when mom came back in the room and they were able to kind of determine these different attachment styles. There's basically, there's secure And then there's these three insecure attachment styles. But it was basically the reunification of the mom and the baby that kind of showed them what their relationship was like. Because with the secure baby, they cried when mom left. But when mom came back, they were happy to see mom. And then they could kind of return to playing with toys and they were comforted and soothed. But in the insecure relationships, they did all sorts of different things, right? You know, they'd go from not even caring that mom was back to crying that mom, when mom was back, but then like pushing mom away and just all sorts of different behaviors that they would see and they could measure that. And super, super intriguing. And in the, we talked about the power of showing up the book by um, Dr. Bryson and Siegel. And 
in there, they actually go into it a little bit. They've got some like little cartoons that you can see in there that talk about each of those different ones. And it's, it's really, I think it's fascinating. I think we should all kind of understand how that attachment is formed and how that's measured. But for me, those hallmarks of secure attachment that Jude Cassidy kind of coined, those are such a great place to really practically say, how can I help my child form that secure attachment if they don't already have it? Like what areas are they struggling in? What are the places that maybe need a little bit more work? And so we can look at those kind of four places of, you know, okay, this shows me that my kid needs help in this area or this area. And there's a lot of really practical things that we can do with our kids to help build up those different areas. So I'm glad you mentioned the fa- this idea that there are practical things that we can do because we're going to talk about some of those things yeah. when we talk about these these four hallmarks. So so let me just read what those four hallmarks are and then we can you know talk about each of them individually. And so here they are. Number one is it's a combo. It's the uh, ability to do ability ability ability. Wow, I don't know what that was. My apologies. My my apologies, everyone. Um, the Sounds ability to seek and receive care. So it's not just the seeking of the care, it's not just the receiving of the care, it's it's seeking and receiving the care, right? And we'll talk about that in a second. Number two is give care. Yep. Uh, and then obviously there's a real practical and easy way that we've, we've comboed those numbers one and two here in our home to help our kids. Uh, and then number three is a healthy sense of dependence and independence. Yep. And then number four is the ability to negotiate your needs, um, which which I love. And so, um, so you can receive care. Um, so so before and so now I feel like we're not having a conversation, but I feel like I'm interviewing you on, on attachment. So I apologize <laughs> about that. But but let's give a little bit of a background why why kids with trauma histories or people who don't trust other people, right? The, the trust being the indicator of the relationship, right? Because uh, we, we want to reestablish that trust. Why is it hard? Or give me examples. Now I really feel like I'm interviewing you. You are or interviewing Or talk me. about some it's of the ways. Crazy. Yeah, talk about some of the ways that that's difficult for some of some of our kids. Well, so I'll, I'll give the example of one of our kids that when we first, um, I guess when he first came home, one of the things that I noticed very quickly was that anytime he would have his feelings hurt or he would get hurt physically or something would happen that upset him, he would not come, you know, like typically if you've got a kid who um, is in a securely attached relationship with those parents, right? They, they know mom and dad are going to be there for them and they get hurt on the playground, they come and they run to find mom, they run to find dad, they want you to, to you know, kiss it and make it all better, right? Yes. I mean, that's kind of your, in, a, in an ideal situation, that's what happens, right? That's kind of the parenting playbook. Yeah, that's what, that's story, what yeah. you expect to happen. But this little guy came to us already having formed an attachment relationship with caregivers that were inconsistent, Mm -hmm. caregivers that weren't available, caregivers that weren't able to meet his needs, which is why he ended up in our home, right? And so when he would get hurt or when something would not go his way or when he would be upset about something, instead of coming to find me or coming to find you, he would go and he would hide in his bed, 
or he would go and find a place that nobody could find him. So we lived in a two-story house. Well, I guess we still do live in a two-story house. I was thinking about when he first came home, but he had a, a bunk bed and he was on the top bunk and he would go run and climb up on his top bunk and hide under the covers. Mm. And if I saw something happen, then sometimes I could step in and intervene and say, oh, buddy, I saw you get hurt. That must have been so painful here. Do you want a Band-Aid or you want? And I would jump in to try and give him some care, right? He didn't ever seek out care. And then if he had cut himself or if he was physically hurt and I tried to put a Band-Aid on him or I tried to... Um, you know, in some way, give him some comfort. He did not want to receive that care from me. He would grab the ice pack away from me or he would take the Band-Aid out of my hand or he didn't want to receive that care from me. But over time, with a lot of consistency, I would actually be able to get him. I mean, I remember the first time that he actually came to me when something happened And it was very obvious because I was out at the mailbox and I had like stopped to talk to the neighbor or something. And he actually came outside to find me to tell me what had happened instead of running upstairs to his room. But it took, I mean, it took years before we got to that place where he would seek out. I think he actually started receiving the care a little bit better um, before he would seek out the care. But it was really like it never had really occurred to me until we kind of started going through some of this. And then I thought, that's what that is. It's he doesn't trust me to meet his need. Why would he come find me to give him care? And why would he let me take care of him? But over time with consistency, because I mean, even early on, I would go climb up on his top bunk with him and I'd get under the covers with him and I'd have an ice pack or a bandaid or a sucker or something in my hand. And I would come up there and I'd crawl under there and I'd be like, what's going on, buddy? Tell me what happened. And he would just, sometimes he wouldn't say anything. Sometimes he didn't usually tell me to go away or get really mad. He wanted me there. He just didn't quite trust me to give him the care that he needed to take care of him in his moment of need. And now years later, if he gets hurt or if he's upset, he comes to us he tells us what's going on. He still sometimes struggles with, you know, letting you do things for him, but that may just be more of a, I want to be independent and I want to be grown, you know, but he definitely over time with lots of consistency was able to get to a place where he would seek out care and then he would allow us to take care of him once he had sought that care. So when you climbed up on the top bunk, with uh, your band-aids and suckers and stuff, um, did you ever feel like embracing your inner purvis and snapping your fingers and asking somebody to get you a green tea latte? That would have been really awesome (laughs) if somebody could do that. I do remember once actually like having a kid melting down and there's one, one of the, um, one of the TCU videos actually has her asking somebody to go get the kid a lemonade. Yeah. And I remember we had gone to like Chick-fil-A and we'd gotten lemonade and I was trying to get a kiddo down for a nap and she was like flailing and going bananas. And, and I was sitting with her and all of a sudden she finally said, I want my lemonade. And I was like, I just totally, I channeled my, like you heard a heavenly choir. I heard a choir and I was like, (laughs) 
And I did. I called for one of the kids and I was like, somebody bring me her lemonade. And they oh, did. They brought it perfect. to me and she drank it and then she went down for a nap. She was all excited. <laughs> and I was very excited to have that moment. But I don't think yes. green tea lattes ever um, occurred to it, me. Is that what she asked for in that one video? I think it was a green chai latte or okay. something like well, that green tea latte is close so i've since figured out what was in that that okay. she was was recommending it's l-theanine which is actually a supplement that i'm familiar with yes that we've used before and yeah, i was like nightly oh that is that's a that's a supplement and i i think it's in the green tea um but i don't know that well we have one kid that would that loves to drink green tea but you know Yes. We digress again. We digress again. The, the way this makes sense to me uh, on this seeking and receiving care is um, if you if you like have a flat on the side of the highway and um, somebody just stops and let's say that it's that it's dark, right? And so somebody just stops and um, and and you can't tell yet because the bright lights are shining. Like you'd be nervous. Like right. I'm a big guy. I'd be nervous. Like wondering, oh, oh what's going to happen next? And if you see it and it's somebody that you don't know, they'll say, do you need help? And you'll say, no, I'm fine. Well, and especially you could like amplify that if you'd already, if you'd had a bad like experience. Yes, yes somebody hurt you on the side of the road. somebody hurt you on but, the but, side of the yeah, road. But not even taking it to that degree. I'm just saying like in like, an, in like a normal situation, right. you would turn the help down. But you would also, um, if it was somebody who you knew, you would say, oh, I'm so glad you stopped here. Yeah, I'd love your help. Right, and that is all based on whether you know the person or right. not, right? So that's the indicating strength that of relationship. The relationship. Well, to keep that analogy going even further, um, to the second one, which is the giving care. If, if we're driving and I, wherever you live, um, I don't know what it's like where you live, but you're in Dallas, Fort Worth. Like the average, you know, people average like eighty-five miles an hour on the highway. And if and if you if somebody stopped on the side of the highway, people just like fly by him, and and you always look though. Because what happens if it's somebody that you notice, you're going to take the next exit, double back, and come and help them. But when you see that that's not somebody you know, you just move on. Right. So your ability to give care to somebody else is also an indicator of relationship, right? And so we, we talked earlier about, about practical ways to make all of this real. Um, so in our house, we use Band-Aids. And so you mentioned that you climb in the bunk with your Band-Aids. So at our house, we use Band-Aids and because you're able to then seek, receive, and give in that transaction. And so one of the rules in our house, and so, you know, we didn't go, now children, we want to teach you all about healthy attachment. This is how we're <laughs> going to do it, right? There was none of that preamble. All we did was said, hey, listen, we think in a way to take care of each other, if you are hurt, you need to ask somebody to put a Band-Aid on for you. That is it. And so if somebody comes to you and says, well, you put a Band-Aid on for me, then you say, yes, of course. And so now that pers person A has sought the care and received the care and person B has provided the care. So we've, yeah. so we've combat all of those things and you know, we're not exempt from this. We, you know, mom and dad have to ask people for Band-Aids uh, as well. And just before anybody is, is really concerned, Band-Aids are put on wounds that need Band-Aids and also on hurt feelings and headaches and things like that <laughs> if 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 more medical attention, you know, like for a broken bone in a hand, we don't just put a Band-Aid on it. Because actually, <laughs> people ask me this before. No, we do. We do obviously seek 
the appropriate Seek further level medical, medical attention. Care. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just just to be clear on that. So well, and another good thing to have too, because you know sometimes people are like, well, how do we even get started with this? And I was like, just get a like a a an I'm hurt kit and put it together and have like band aids and like ice packs, and then you could even have like you know those like the that gauze that sticks to itself. It's not called gauze. You know, the bandage stuff that sticks to itself. Oh, yeah. It looks like... like look the, like the, a cast the bandage, kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what's called. It's in all different colors. And, and yes. kids love that stuff. And it allows them to receive some care. Yes. And it allows somebody to give them that care. And yes. I love that. And just put together a little kit and, you know, just have it, have it available. And just fair warning, you'll probably go through 900 Band-Aids the first week. Because all of a sudden, your kids will have boo-boos and ailments all over the place, especially yep. if they're younger. But it really does help. And it's it's that, you know, you're you're meeting those two areas. You're, you're allowing people to give care, seek care, receive care, all of that, all with something as simple as a Band-Aid or an ice pack. Yeah, and it's been very effective in, in our house. It has house. been very and effective that, in our house. And that kid that used to run and hide and on the top bunk... Um, you know, there's obviously multiple things that factored into him not doing that anymore. But I don't think we can discount uh, how much the whole band aid yeah. situation does here. You know, and if, being consistent with yes, it too. Oh yeah, consistency matters. You know, making sure that we're we're we had to be consistent. We also had to be available because we had to be paying attention to because he wasn't seeking out the care. We had to be paying attention and offering that care. Before he could run and hide, you yeah. know, but also, you know, and now he's one who, if somebody gets hurt, he'll go find the band yes, or he'll go it. find the, the, ice yeah, the ice pack and he'll bring it he to the to situation and offers to help now. Like yeah. his eight year old sister, it's, it's her turn to unload the dishwasher this week. And, uh, he, he offered to help her unprompted today. And boy, talk about hearing a heavenly choir of angels sing, right? I mean, it was like, Wow. So the third one is a healthy sense of dependence and independence. And so um, we're not, we won't talk about that one as much as the others here because we really, really talked about that last episode. We talked about the stages of regulation because yeah. that other regulation is the complete dependence and the self-regulation is the independence. And what the stages of regulation tell us is that you can't skip a stage. Yeah. If you want a self-regulating individual, so somebody who's able to calm themselves by themselves, as is maybe a simple definition of self-regulation, um, if, if if you want that person, you first have a, somebody who's completely other-regulated. And so that's just tying in those stages of regulation here into Cassidy's hallmarks of secure attachment. Secure attachment. I felt myself <laughs> speaking like mouth, really mouthful. fast over there. <laughs> um, you know, that's kind of the correlation. And that's why we talk about... Um, stages of regulation in the context of a discussion about uh, attachment. And then the last one. Yeah. Well, before you move on to that, I just want to say the one thing. I think the, the hardest part for people typically is those that are fostering or adopting the older kids and they feel this sense to push them towards independence because they they say, I only have so many years. And I say, if you only have so many years, use every little second to build that relationship because once they are legally an adult, all you have is your relationship. Yep. And so you can always mentor and teach 
those independent living skills. And nobody says because a kid is 18, they have to move out. But if they don't have that relationship, then they may want to move out at 18. If at 18 they have that relationship, then they may be willing to stay with you for a couple more years to learn those independent skills they need. But we have to build that dependence and understanding that you can allow someone to take care of you. You can allow someone to work in your best interest and not just push them towards independence. So even if you bring a 17 year old into your house and you're thinking, I only have one year, use that year to build relationship and to form that attachment. And out of that relationship will come those independent living skills that they need. Also, just before we move on, um, you have a 17 year old coming to the family. I'm pretty sure you don't only have one year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But um, even though, you know, a lot of people talk about, uh, when they just look forward to their kids turning 18 and move out of the house. There's not a single parent I know that actually looked forward to, to that in reality. It was, it was more sort of kind of sad. Well, the last one here in a hallmark secure attachment. And I love this one because when parents ask us, okay, yeah, this sounds great, but does parenting my kid this way prepare them for the real world? And I think we did an episode early on uh, in the podcast about does parenting this way prepare my kids yeah. for the real world? This one is absolutely an indicator of not just a healthy relationship, but also a real life skill that you can use and that mm-hmm. use, and that is the ability to negotiate your needs. Um, because I mean, think how many times outside of you know a family relationship that you have to negotiate your needs out there, and negotiating is a really really valuable skill, right? It could mean the difference between you know twenty thousand dollars swing on the price of a house or something, right? And so I love this one because, uh, and I love that we talk about it last because not just is it actually a great indicator of a healthy relationship, but it is also something that, that like we said, trans, uh, attachment is transferable. Right. Well, this is a great example of that because it can actually work outside of the family context to great benefit for people as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think when you have the ability to neg- negotiate your needs, what that's saying is, I know I have a voice and that people will listen to my voice. Yeah. And that's the thing that in that early, in this, in that cycle of attachment that we talked about last time, in that, in that meeting the need over and over and over again, that's when our kids learn that their voice matters Yes. because they have expressed a need and we've met the need. And so you, you really know that you've gotten to that place with your kids when you ask them to do something or when something's changing and your kid says to you, Hey, I know you said we were going to do this. Would it be okay if I tried this instead? You know, you've really arrived in the relationship when they feel safe enough to ask for those things. And then when they can take it outside of your house and apply that to other relationships where they can say, you know what? I'm important. And I know that my teacher said that this was due. We had this just this last week. We had one of our kiddos who had a book for school that somehow in in the purchasing of all the books, it didn't get purchased. So I went online. I think she told me like on, you know, like two days before the assignment was due that she needed a book. So I go on Amazon and of course, Amazon can't get it until the day after it's due. I go on, you know, like all these different places and I can't get it for like a week. 
And so I said to her, I said, I'm so sorry. I can't get this book you need. And she needed to read like a chapter and write, you know, answer some questions or whatever. And she goes, it's okay, mom. I'll ask my teacher if I can have an extension. That's awesome. And that was like, she didn't freak out. She didn't panic because she didn't have the book. She realized we'd made a mistake. She reached out to her teacher and said, hey, I didn't, I I don't have this book. I'm not going to be able to get the questions in by Wednesday. Can I, you know, have an extension? The book will be here. And she told her when the expected date of the book was going to be. Well, then the teacher came back and said, I actually can't give an extension on this, but I can let you borrow my book. Yes. So she borrowed her teacher's book. You know, I mean, it was, but had she just freaked out and been like, oh no, we don't have the book. What am I going to do? But because she knows that her voice matters, it didn't even occur to her that that wouldn't be possible. All she thought was, I'll just ask my teacher for an extension on it because her voice matters and she can negotiate her needs. And while it didn't, she didn't get the extension she asked for, she still was able to get the assignment completed and turned in because her voice matters and she knows that. So there's something you said that that needs to be like a meme or whatever. (laughs) And that is because she knows her voice matters, she asked for what she needed. Yeah. And maybe, you know, it can be restated. When you come to understand that your voice matters, Mm -hmm. you are willing to ask for what you need, which is just the, the absolute truth. So like you said, when we started this, we could probably talk for hours on this. We could do a whole podcast series on uh, attachment, but we're not going to. Uh, And uh, just to recap, uh, the four hallmarks of secure attachment from Jude Cassidy's work. Number one, seek and receive care. Number two, give care. Number three, a healthy sense of dependence and independence. And number four, the ability to negotiate uh, your needs. Um, Next time, because we've been trying to do this since we did plan out these, these series for the season. Next time, we're going to talk about challenging behaviors. And um, understanding um, that behavior is just a communication of a need, some skills we could develop in our kids, and mm-hmm. we'll just just talk about how, how to help our kids um, with challenging behaviors. So uh, I think Chris should be back when we record that. I know that you know with him going back to school and and, and school starting up and, and sports now being played down here in Texas, he's got a lot go, going on, and he wasn't available. Uh, tonight um, so we all agreed we'd go ahead and record this without him but we hope Chris is back with us even though it's going to seem like he's back with us because Dallas uh, this is the part where Dallas texts on the Chris outro <laughs> so we don't have to memorize it or uh, or speak or, or, or do it so thanks for listening Kayla I felt like this was somewhere between a conversation and an interview <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did my dear yes right. I love it I love I love getting to talk to our listeners yep. and just share some of the stuff we've learned because it's been so helpful with our family, just reading and learning and understanding. And even if they've heard a thousand things on attachment, hopefully they picked up a few tidbits here. And if you're brand new to attachment and brand new to the foster and adoption world, um, and this is your first time through come back to this podcast episode later, because as your kids grow and change, you're going to come back and go, you're going to hear different things. Cause yeah. when our kids are at different ages and stages, we hear different things. And that's why we're constantly true, learning, yeah. you know, we're constantly reading things and, and picking up new material, not because we're trying to learn something new, but our kids are growing and changing and, 
and every stage we learn something new. Well, it's not just at every is at every stage you learn something new. Our you know, as we learn more, our ability to understand things improves. Yeah, our ability to apply it improves. And we mentioned the power of showing up, which has fast become one of our favorite books here recently. Um, and and then the other thing that I like is that people are finding ways to communicate these ideas mm-hmm. in different ways. So, yeah. so the foundational stuff's the same, but it's communicated in different ways, and so mm-hmm. we're able to reach newer audiences. So. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to um, discussing challenging behaviors with you next time. Uh, Bye, everybody. See you later. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Parent Podcast. If you have any questions, please email us at info at onebighappyhome.com. You can subscribe to our podcast on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you've enjoyed and gotten value from our show, we'd love a review in any of those locations. You can also support us and the podcast for as little as $5 a month by visiting patreon.com slash empowered parent, where you can also gain access to the private Facebook group for Patreon subscribers, along with a host of other perks. The Empowered Parent Podcast is committed to helping parents of foster and adoptive kids through connecting, correcting, and empowering principles. Thanks for listening.